Welcome to today's edition of Make Her Space, a podcast about women who dare. Hear inspiring interviews with South Coast entrepreneurs and artisans who've carved out their own spaces and share the challenges and rewards of their often unexpected journeys. Brought to you by The Standard Times and SouthCoastToday.com. And now, here's your host, Barbara Lomonaco. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Make Her Space podcast. I'm your host, Barbara Lamonico, and I'm excited today to be here with Kate Simpson of Kate Simpson Designs. Um, Kate is one of the people I met when I was sort of early into my own business, and one of the first things that I learned about her because other people said it is, first of all, her jewelry was incredibly beautiful, and then other people said, you know she's a nurse, and she has retail stores, and she does this, and I was totally blown away. So welcome, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. I am delighted. Um, we are doing a morning podcast today, and this is what's really fun. Um, sometimes, we did have a dog in the studio last week who was breathing heavily and drinking water. Um, sometimes we have Prosecco. And I will say, you know, if you work nights, then this is sort of... It's my morning. It's your morning in some ways. And you're, you know, well-rested. And mm-hmm. so we, we may or may not be having some Prosecco with raspberries in it in the early in the morning. And I am all for it. Absolutely. The more festivity, the better. Um, so tell me a little bit about Kate Simpson Designs. And I know that you are a jewelry maker. Can you um, describe, and I'm looking at some of your jewelry right now, can you um, describe a little bit about your style and what inspires you um, with jewelry making? So I'm very much inspired by the beach and being outside. Um, growing up on the Cape, that was kind of what I was exposed to. And started making jewelry when I was really young. Simple stretch bracelets was pretty much how I started with my mom, selling them on the playground. (laughs) (laughs) How entrepreneurial at a young age. Yep. I only got slightly in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) And then it just kind of expanded when I started working at a jewelry store. They kind of taught me a lot more techniques and started into silversmithing and then it kind of just exploded from there. I really just wanted to continue making, and it became kind of my therapy from stress of school and then in college. <laughs> and what media do you work in primarily? What kinds of media is it? Is um, Sterling. S- Sterling. Amazing. And how did you learn silversmithing? That doesn't sound like something you could just sort of watch and pick up. A good friend of mine, um, who I worked with at the jewelry store, um, taught me. And then I kind of took more classes from there. Um, but it was, you know, nights in her studio and just hanging out, listening That's, to music. So you were sort of playing. an apprentice, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's so amazing. And how would you describe your jewelry um, aside from the influences? So it's silver. It's inspired by the coast. I love texture. Mm-hmm. Everything has to have some sort of texture on it. Hammered usually is yeah. the best, but it's simple without being too minimalistic. Yeah. Um, classic stuff that you can wear every day. And it's really clean and 
modern, but not modern in a way that is completely abstract. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I love about it. Every time I passed your table when we were at a show together, I tried to put blinders on. And thankfully, we both got busy because sometimes if you're not busy for a minute and you go shopping, you do a lot of damage. You get in trouble. I know, you get in big trouble. That's, I get in very much trouble when I do shows. Uh, I was just telling someone that it's been nice that um, when I do purchase things from other makers, it always reminds me of them. And Mm -hmm. there's this thing about going to an art show that if you don't buy this thing that you love, you might never find it again because sometimes it's one of a kind pieces. Often it's one of a kind pieces or it's not something that's just widely available. But your stuff is available. So you have two retail stores. Can you tell me about those? So the first one is Cerulean. Uh, It's coming up on its two-year anniversary next week. Amazing. Um, So that is... And it's in Warren? Yes, in Warren, Rhode Island. It's 30 Child Street. Okay. Um, It's pretty much the main street going into Warren, also known as 103. Mm -hmm. Um, That is kind of my first baby of supporting other makers and being able to show off my jewelry in one giant space. Oh, amazing. And uh, and the second? And the second is Shades of Vintage, which just celebrated its first anniversary. And that's a multi-vendor vintage and handmade marketplace. So it's all different women in business that are doing everything from furniture refinishing to, you know, original art to just like picking of like great vintage and handmade finds. Like it's amazing and it's constantly changing. Oh, how so I go in and I'm like, oh, wait, I didn't see that before. Like, I need that. So it's sort of a cooperative? Is that a more of bit. a cooperative? Yeah, it's a little bit more of a cooperative. Um, the vendors help me out and work because one person running two stores is not easy. Yeah, so the thing about your story, and I do want to talk about um, moving to brick and mortar is a dream for a lot of people mm-hmm. of having your own shop. And there's something about it that... Um, would feel to me because in some ways I think oh I would love to do that because it really is your space and it looks the way you want it to look and I think there's something in me certainly that enjoys hosting people so this idea that people come into your space and you're really their host and Mm -hmm. you are um, showing them what you've made kind of in your own environment which is really lovely but I want to back up and talk a little about your career trajectory because none of my guests are really normal and (laughs) we always talk about side hustles and when side hustles become main hustles when we think of spinning a lot of plates you come to mind so you got your degree in nursing you're an RN and you still work as a nurse you're a psychiatric nurse correct so what I've been doing the past six years (laughs) So, um, we were just talking before the podcast started that um, I worked as a therapist for quite a few years, and I think I'm familiar with that terrain. It is not stress-free. I And you work nights. Correct. And is that a full-time job? It's part-time now. I've been part-time for a year, because um, I, <sighs> I feel really wanted to that. have a little more sleep mm-hmm. <laughs> than what I have, because um, I was, up until that point, working three 12-hour shifts a week. And still working at the store, you know, five to six days a week, including on the weekends, which is probably the toughest turnaround. Unbelievable. 
I I can't imagine how you found time, though. One of my favorite sayings is you always have time for the things you make time for. Mm -hmm. And there's something um, obviously inspiring about making things and it fulfills this creative impulse that we all have. So tell me about the kind of genesis of how this all started. You're you're working in your friend's store. You're learning silversmithing. When did you start to roll out your own designs? And when was Kate Simpson designs kind of born? And what did that look like? I mean, it was really born on the playground. <laughs> That's really where it all started. I, lo- I imagine you would like a, an attache case and b- pulling kids over into the shadows and opening your case with silvery things. And you're like, it wasn't silvery l- things at that point. It was just <laughs> plasticky things. Stretch glass bead bracelets. <laughs> but no, it, it really came down to doing shows pretty much when I was in high school. Um, I really wanted to get my stuff out there more other than just having it at the jewelry store that I worked at. Uh, and then, you know, when I was in school, in college, I was like, I really want to kind of get it out there more. Granted, with the nursing program, I didn't have a ton of time. Right. <laughs> it was a very strenuous <laughs> program. Yeah. Um, and I was still, you know, working for the athletic department, and I had a very full plate then, too. I think that's just kind of... Who you are. My <laughs> my style. Um when I graduated, I was like, I really want to do more. I want to have it out there more. I want to sell it. Wow. And be able to, at the start, do it as like a side hustle, as like my fun thing to do. And I happened to, you know, stumble into Field of Artisans, which is how we met. Amazing. Um, and they were doing a show in Providence. And I was like, oh, perfect. I'm like, I'll do the show. It's not far from my house. And the location where we were having the show happened to have available spaces to rent to be able to sell as part of like a multi-vendor, but with like separate doors. Kind of a market, marketplace? Kind of. Uh-huh. Um, the shop's unfortunately not currently open. Um, but that was kind of my start. So I rented a space to start selling my stuff. I got to pick the hours. I got to close when I needed to for work. So had you you just graduated from college at that it point? It was about two years after because I was just doing shows and I was like, you know, I had an apartment and didn't really know like what I wanted to do because I was still working. Uh, so you like were working a as a nurse and then mm-hmm. you just decided why not rent a retail space? Yep. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How did you manage uh, working and renting the space? I guess you could create your own hours, so yeah. there was some flexibility. Yeah, to that. so I opened up later so I could sleep in between. Um, and then there was like one day where I was like, yeah, no, I can't be open <laughs> because I need to actually sleep more than two hours. Yeah. And then um, was there a point at which you decided, did you ever have two paths where you had to, you felt close to having to choose one or the other, nursing or your jewelry making? No. So you could just decide you could do them both? Yeah. Um, I think mainly because I spent so much time and money on my nursing you know, degree and worked so hard to get that, that I didn't want to give it up right away. Like, yeah, yeah I could have just jumped into having my own shop and just done nursing like per diem, but I still have a love for it. So mm-hmm. I don't really want to give that part up just yet. Yeah, amazing to me. So after you have that retail space, mm-hmm. you're continuing to be a nurse. And then uh, is that when you opened um, Cerulean? 
So Cerulean started there. So I actually got a second spot within the space. <laughs> because why not just have one, have two? And was again, it shared it was, with other makers or just your stuff? So that was kind of when I started pulling in um, other makers that I had met from doing shows or had found online. And I really wanted to do it in a broader, bigger space than where I was and kind of wanted to be able to call the shots a little bit more than what was in that current space, Mm -hmm. um, which is when I partnered up at the time with another person and we opened up Cerulean two years ago. Amazing. What um, lessons did you learn based on opening a retail shop? So for all of us who fantasize about a brick and mortar with our own little sign and it'll just be this lovely space, um, what, what real world lessons did you learn? What are the rewards and the risks? The risk is money for sure. It's blatantly honest, it's money. Um, It takes a lot to start everything up, and you might not think, oh, I don't need to get that right now. No, you do. (laughs) You do. You need to get insurance. You need to, you know, pay the requirements for rent. Mm -hmm. You need to get product in, displays, any improvements to the actual space that you're renting. So all the startup costs are very real, huh? Yeah, oh yeah, very much so. Yeah. And you're better off having more money than less. <laughs> it's like my advice for going on a trip. Pack your stuff and then open your suitcase and take out half of what you brought and bring more money. Mm-hmm. There's always that. Yeah. I assume, yeah. Um, so with um, Cerulean opening, what was the um, the first week or two of that store opening like for you? It was honestly kind of a blur because you I didn't really know what to expect coming into a new town and not knowing who would show up. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, the first day it was a lot of like friends and family, but then it's like, oh, we got to get like actual customers and now not just people that are like, oh, hey, yeah, I'll come to your shop. That's cool. <laughs> um, so that was kind of an reality hit of like okay so now you have to do marketing gears to market it and you know social media has been huge and continues to be um kind of the help to Mm -hmm. help promote the stores is that your primary means of marketing and how did you learn techniques on social media that would drive people to your products a lot of classes all the stuff that you see like on facebook like oh check out this program i did it really very much so. Um, can you recall if you were going to share with our listeners one of the most valuable lessons that you learned for social media marketing or any don'ts that you learned for social media marketing? Be honest. Yeah. Be your true self in marketing because that's how people are going to connect. If you're going to put across kind of a fake, you know, not authentic point of view, no one's going to respond to that. Yeah. Not the people that you want to, at least. So um, do you think that the fact that you are this woman who um, has a foot in a couple of different worlds, right? You go to craft shows still, art shows. Not as many, but yeah. And you have the two retail spaces and you work in those spaces as well. So Mm -hmm. are you sometimes, would we find you sitting at the register? Oh yeah, I'm at in most days. And then we would find you in um, being a psychiatrist. Well, we might not find you there, but... 
we may, if we were admitted, uh, we may find you um, working as a psychiatric nurse. And so do you think that um, in some ways people, I know that I'm intrigued to your jewelry in part, one, it's beautiful. And secondly, the persona, this idea of this woman who makes these things as I don't, I don't know if we could even call it a side hustle because it sounds like it's really neck and neck with yeah. your day job. Um, d- is that part of your marketing or? Yeah, I'm very honest about the fact that I am doing all of these things. Yeah. You Incredible. know, sometimes people have to give me a little bit of grace if I happen to, you know, run away from social media for a week because I'm prepping for a show or yeah. I have, you know, a ton of back-to-back shifts at work. Yeah. And... It happens. Well, you know, sometimes we're really hard on ourselves, right? We feel we have to please everybody. And we have to. I know if I get an order and I have to wait a day or two because I'm waiting for more product to arrive, uh, more raw materials, it creates. Um, I'm really hard on myself mm-hmm. about that, right? Um, and sometimes we're our own worst enemy. I think that idea of giving yourself a break. Um, many of the women I've talked to in this podcast are managing multiple roles, and many of them say it's pretty much a one-person show. Like they're the ones creating the product, selling the product, marketing the product, doing the bookkeeping, mm-hmm. and it's a lot. And I know when the holidays come around, it's super insane. And yeah, I remember um, last year, I thought, I don't know how I'm going to get this done. And a lot of late nights, but you you get it done. And so I think that's such an important lesson of giving yourself a break. And knowing that we can do it all. It's just not always going to be perfect. And that drives a lot of us crazy, right? I'm very much a perfectionist, which is something I'm working on. (laughs) But I, I realize I can't do everything all the time. It's just not possible. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about your second store. So one of the themes that I've noticed with so many makers is, and female makers, mm-hmm. is this idea of collaboration. And I know that um, many of them have told me stories of getting started. It was people who helped them. And then they wanted to pass that on and pay it forward and help other artists profile and champion their work. So tell me a little bit about um, your second space um, the address, what what we would find in there if we walked into the store, and what your motivation was to start that. So Shades of Vintage is the space that you're referring to. It's uh, 26 Child Street, so it's located right next door you're to You're building Cerulean. an empire. Trying to, taking over Warren <laughs> one shop at a time. Um, but that kind of stemmed on the fact that there wasn't anything like it within the East Bay. Um, having a space that was multi- vendor so it was like more than just you know a vintage shop that is one person picking everything so it has everyone's different aesthetics in it so it's not just one style amazing you know some rustic farmhouse there's a little bit of eclectic mix like there's you know bright bold colors or something you know nod to nautical which you can find in my booth (laughs) (laughs) but it's really nice because i can support more people that way yeah that otherwise wouldn't really have a space to sell at more often other than you know bringing your stuff to markets which now it's the summer it's you know outdoor markets weather doesn't always cooperate and it's a lot of work Mm -hmm. it is so much work to get everything set up and prepared and displayed and you hope that torrential rain doesn't come 
Or a mini or cyclone. Wins. Yeah, yeah, winds. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So it's kind of nice that people can come and set up whenever they want. And then when we're open, everyone's able to, you know, come in and see what everyone's been working on. That's so amazing. And right now, it's all female run businesses, That's which I really love. Love it. I mean, no offense to the guys out there, but, you know, there's something about supporting other women that is just so amazing and needs to happen more because there's been a few like catty people out there but you know if you really hone in on the people that actually care and are driven to make it happen yeah. it's gonna succeed it's amazing to me and I do think that as we look at the world men have had more formal mechanisms of attaining power and wealth available to them than women have there's just no mm -hmm. question and so by using our informal networks it's really a way to support and champion each other and one when somebody is an incredible artist you want to profile their work absolutely but i think that it's also giving them a platform that inspires their own self-confidence mm -hmm. to do more and part of this podcast, the subtitle of the podcast is Women Who Dared. And I think that that daring looks different for each of us. Sometimes it is leaving the day job, but sometimes it's, what if people like what I'm creating? And what if I really put myself out there and I be vulnerable mm -hmm. and I show my work? That's the scary thing. I know that in publishing things, it's always scary when I publish something because you're putting it out there to yeah. be judged and evaluated but how empowering is it when you sell that first item and people like what you're doing mm -hmm. it is just everything it's amazing and you know even the simple like likes and shares on social media every little bit really truly does like mean so much it's like oh oh you like what I'm doing okay I'm gonna keep doing this yeah it's like exactly. all right this is cool like you know winning awards like Cerulean won best of Rhode Island last year congratulations Thank that's you. amazing and then this year Shades of Vintage won so it's kind of crazy that within two years both my shops have won a big award that's so incredible and it's like you know it's nice and then you know the celebration of best of Rhode Island it's so many small businesses coming together to celebrate doing great things. And even for the people that don't win, you know, it's still like you're working your butt off to make your shop happen, your restaurant happen, you know, your maker market happen. Like that's a huge feat. And it's like celebrated too. Absolutely. I love that. And I'm so um, excited for you about um, the awards. And while the award isn't everything, sometimes when it's your own business, it's just you. Mm -hmm. And you have to check in with yourself. Oh, how am I doing? And so the external validation is just a nice icing mm -hmm. on top Very of everything so. else. I love it. So for people um, walking into your shops, and especially into um, Shades of Vintage, what would they see when they walk in? What would be the types of things that they would see? Is it predominantly jewelry, textiles, um, objects of art? What might they see? So Cerulean has all of my jewelry, which is predominantly the space, um, but it's a lot of maker's work. It's people I've met doing shows. It's people I've found online. So it's a mix of everything from housewares to great items for gifts, you know, for your kitchen, you know, touch to nautical. So I have shells mm. and, you know, some gorgeously made, you know, clothes, clothes for kids, like just kind of a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. um, and then Shades of Vintage, like I said before, is constantly changing. So you could find a gorgeous refinished piece of furniture 
wall art that's sometimes originally done or a vintage piece so it's like a vintage painting like a gorgeous you know frame and then you know there's other makers that do um, products with cannabis roots so she'll come in and has all of her you know salves and lotions and it's like people are loving that too and it's nice being able to mix the vintage with the handmade and have it be something that everyone wants to support still Oh, that's fantastic. And do you have help in both of the shops? Do you hire salespeople or how does I it work? I do now. Um, up until March, um, Shades of Inchage was only open one weekend a month, but now we're open every Friday through Sunday. Oh, fantastic. So that was kind of a massive change. A lot of the vendors do help out, um, which is amazing. So it kind of helps. So they come in and yeah. shop sit for yep. you. Incredible. Which is nice because then they're seeing you know what's selling and they're able to engage with people and you know a lot of them like really love the fact that they can sell other people's stuff too yeah like it's not like oh i don't want to sell your stuff like no it's like oh you made an awesome sale today like congrats and we're constantly like messaging each other like um there's a big hole in your space now like you sold a piece of furniture you might want to bring something so great and like that's so rewarding for them to to you know, meet the people that are actually buying their stuff. One of the things I really love about um, Field of Artisans and Katrina, who is the uh, Field of Artisans is a arts collaborative that does pop-up shows. And many of us have um, uh, been participants is that I will send people to another place that has something that I don't sell. So if they're looking for a particular kind of a lotion or an herbal tincture, something that I'm not selling or making, I love to send them to somebody oh, else. Absolutely. And I also love to show them what I just bought from somebody else. So I just bought some pottery from um, Christine uh, Red Chair Clay oh, Studio. I, I love just, her stuff. It's unbelievable. And so I had it on my table only because I was admiring it. And then people were saying, where did you get that? And I I think that that's so rewarding because as makers, we know how hard you worked Mm -hmm. on that thing. We know that that was your time, your energy, your passion, your care, and that to finish a piece and produce it for the world is a is um, a big act absolutely and um, I think that that nature of collaboration has been one of the most inspiring things I've seen as someone relatively new to the scene and I love the fact that your shop really embodies that it absolutely is and it's like I when I started Cerulean it was with a lot of artisans that I met at Field of Artisans incredible it was like going around to the booth like hey I opened up a store um do you want to sell your stuff at it? <laughs> Very nonchalantly. <laughs> and Katrina would see me walking around like, oh, you're going to go talk to her? I'm like, uh-huh, I already did. <laughs> this is how I did the podcast. <laughs> exactly. This is how I got guests from the podcast is women I met that I wanted to have um, deeper conversations with. It just is amazing. And I think it's one of the biggest gifts of being in this community is the mutual support. Mm-hmm. And it's also instrumental support. When you need to ask somebody um, really things as big as the direction of your business and the your price range and insurance who'd you get your liability insurance from there's so many helpful things but then there's also just the tremendous emotional support mm-hmm. of feeling like people have your back and they've been there uh, and I certainly all of my guests are at various stages right and some of them like you have are 
firmly rooted professionals in the space with retail brick and mortar shops and a really booming business. And some people are just starting for the people who are just starting and maybe they've just done their first show and their work has been well received. What kind of advice would you give them about growing their business and maybe um, taking that risk to do more of it? Keep doing shows. Yeah. Keep networking with people because even if you do a show and it might not be the most financially successful, but having those conversations with other people is just going to help accelerate your business because they might know someone else that's like, oh, this person has a store. You need to go and talk to that person because your stuff would be perfect there. And that's happened a lot. Like friends of mine will do a show and they'll be like, "Uh, Kate, I found you this person. And they're like, (laughs) they're just starting out. And I'm like, bring them in, bring them in. I want them. Oh, that's so incredible. Because you have to have those people that support you. And that's how you're going to be able to grow. Like I wouldn't be where I am today without the people that helped me. Yeah. And continue to help me. Uh, That's just amazing. What are your biggest challenges right now when you think about managing working nights with two very successful shops, which, by the way, I am coming in in the next 48 hours with a wallet. (laughs) Honestly, time management. Yeah. It's the bane of my existence. I only have so many hours in the day, especially working. Um, But since hiring help, which has been a godsend, um, I'm now able to refocus instead of just always being at the store I can now be doing more behind-the-scenes stuff to help promote, get other makers in, and just kind of restructure the shop to be a more inclusive, welcoming place, even more so than what it is now. Yeah. Uh, There's never enough hours in the day. It's so true, and I think that when people envision someone who makes jewelry, they think, you're going to be sitting alone, being inspired to create beautiful jewelry, but then there is um, ordering raw materials, doing your bookkeeping, paying your taxes, marketing, social media, um, packaging. I'm like, oh, time yeah. to order more it's, jars. It's more than just it's making the pretty so things. It's much um, all of the other stuff. Yeah, so much that requires organization and mm-hmm. systems in place of making sure that you're not running out of things at all at the same time. And then I imagine with a brick and mortar, there are all those other things that you have to pay attention yep. to. Add on top of that, you know, managing consignment work and managing, you know, hours and working with other businesses within the town for, you know, promoting them and, you know, local boards. And then obviously the bookkeeping, packaging, website. of my existence. (laughs) And just the general day-to-day like, oh, is there enough money in the cash drawer? Like, do I need to go to the bank? Do I need to, you know send out a check for insurance do i need to you know advertise this do i need to update the ad in you know a certain publication like it's constantly lots and lots of to-do lists yeah one of my guests just said that her advice for people who might just be moving into starting their own business and making the side hustle a main hustle is you have to treat it even if it is a side hustle like a job Mm -hmm. so that requires being organized being disciplined and I think in the early days we end up being very reactive to oh I got an order so I'm going to make this order and we're just responding to the Mm -hmm. stuff that comes in the front door and then we realize okay I've got to have a system and maybe it's that you order your raw materials on a side 
cycle or you are going to set aside time in the morning when you get up, you're going to say, okay, I'll do social media, I'll handle this, and then I'll turn to whatever it's payroll or paying taxes or doing bookkeeping. Um, Do you find that a schedule helps you? No. (laughs) Because my schedule is so varied, I can't have any sort of like consistent routine ever Um, because the nights I work vary by the week, so... I'm often scheduling out social media posts in the middle of the night. So thank God for plan because (laughs) otherwise I would not have the time to be able to do a post on the fly. I have to prep them out ahead of time. Um, I'm a part of this group that gets really great stock images that I can mix in. So it's not just like jewelry, 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 jewelry. Oh, that's Maybe a picture of me that I never (laughs) like to share. So it's nice to make it more lifestyle rather than just photos of my stuff. Oh, that's so smart. You know, my only, uh, other than skincare, mine's just goats. Yeah, but your goats are awesome. (laughs) They're very And everyone likes to see them. I know. It's amazing. I always get these messages on Instagram. This post is doing 95% better than the rest of your posts. And I think, well, people like looking at skincare, Mm -hmm. but they also really dig the goats lying on the front porch. And I think because that's so much of what your brand is and what you believe it's they're a part of it yeah absolutely well so in this podcast one of the things that um i found about all of the guests i've talked to is that our conversations are in some ways about how they built their businesses but it's also about um how you orchestrate your aligning your beliefs and who you are as a person and your fundamental beliefs about supporting women or collaborating and doing that for your life's work. So when those two things come together, you're really being your best self. And I'm wondering, um, in your two businesses, how do your personal values dovetail with being a designer and a creator and a businesswoman? It's everything. Because if I'm not being truthful... this stuff's not going to sell. It's going to look like I'm a fake person and that I don't actually care, but I do. I care about people. It's why I'm a psych nurse. It's (laughs) pretty much everything that I am. It's, you know, I want to be able to help people, whether that's getting them a gorgeous necklace that they can rock and feel confident in themselves, or it's getting that gift for someone when they're like, I have no idea what to get this person. Like, please help and then they leave with an already wrapped gift that they don't have to do anything else for. Yeah. Like, they're done. And it's the perfect thing that mm-hmm. really you help them kind of figure out what that person needed. Um, it is so true that this idea and what's been a constant theme with so many female makers and entrepreneurs is they want to make a difference mm-hmm. in the work that they do. And it's not about the aesthetics or, hey, you have this cool new thing. But it is about making other people feel good. Yeah. And that's been such a common theme. And when you're at a craft show, even if you're not selling, you're having these interactions with people, these dynamic interactions. It is amazing to me the kinds of things that people talk to you about. Mm-hmm. I was just at a show and a, um, a woman who was struggling with breast cancer stayed and talked with me for 15 minutes. And the conversation was maybe about skincare for five minutes, but then it was just about life. Mm-hmm. And it's such a privilege to hear those stories. And then when a product that you make um, lights them up, you really walk away feeling it's not about the sale. It's about making things better. Yeah. It's making that person feel better, 
you know, I have people vent all the time. It's just like, all right, and okay. <laughs> and and that's fine. I am all for that. That's, yeah. you know, free little therapy session. There you go. It's absolutely amazing. Well, Kate, thank you so much for being here. Tell us the hours of your shops again um, so that people can know when they should come in and any future events that are coming up that we want to talk about. So Shades of Vintage is open Friday through Sunday. It's Friday 12 to 6, Saturday 10 to 5, and Sunday 11 to 5. And then Cerulean hours are just going to be changing um, in start of July to be open Tuesday through Sunday. So it'll be Tuesday through Friday 12 to 6, Saturday 10 to 6, and Sunday 11 to 5. I can't wait to come in. That is going to happen um, in the next few days. So I'll be your good customer. Thank you so much for being here today. And thank you, everybody, for listening in to uh, the Make Her Space podcast. We'll see you next time. That's this week's episode of Make Her Space. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you.